talk about patience today, patience and eternal life. And you think, what do those two things have to do with one another? And uh, when we stop and think about this, uh, do we have the patience that is needed for eternal life? I find that in the years in which I have lived, and I think that you probably have found in years in which you have lived as well, there are periods of time when I've had little and sometimes no patience at all. And we get weary with a number of things. In fact, there's a, several admonitions in the Bible about recognizing and not growing weary with well-doing. And there are so many different things that we become impatient with. As parents, we can become very impatient with our kids. Uh, as people just in general... Uh, life itself, that things aren't happening as quickly as we would like for things to happen. I think Jim's been working on his son's house for a long time, and but I know that he has all the patience in the world and isn't wanting it to hurry and get along and get done and move on to other things. Uh, but when we, th- we think about uh, patience, you think, well, would I need patience for eternal life? Well, If we were to step into eternal life tomorrow, the question is, how would you handle it? Um, I find that in life, oftentimes, we want to get about the business. Uh, We want to get about the business of the things that we want done. And uh, we, we hope for some expediency in getting things done and accomplished. So what would there be an instant need to get something done? So let's just imagine tomorrow morning you wake up and you have eternal life. Think, well, boy, look at all the things I didn't get done. Here I am, I've got eternal life now, but back there there's still some things that need to get done. And so... With eternal life here, George, I need to give you my honeydew list. I need these things done. And George might say to Jeanette, well, when do you want them done? And Jeanette might say to him, what do you mean? When do I want things done? I gave you the list. Let's get it done. But George, being the godly man he is and understanding eternal life that he does, says, but honey, we got all the time in the world. Whoa, whoa, let me correct that. We got all the time in the universe. What's your hurry about all of this? So, we have to ask ourselves these kind of questions because we might pose those questions to God in the the same way. Then we have to ask ourselves, how would we manage all that time? Well, yeah, how would we manage all the time we have because we've got lots of time and we're going to try to segregate our time, for example. We might want to say, okay, in the old world where we were time, we're going to work six days. 
Now, well, with God, a day is a thousand years. So for the next thousand, six thousand years, we're going to work and then we're going to take a little bit of a reprieve. We're going to be like Van Winkle and we're going to sleep for a thousand years. We're going to rest for a thousand years. And Lord, can you hurry that along because I'm looking forward to Friday night sundown and, and moving in so that we can just... But then God's saying, but there is no time. What do you mean there is no time? Lord, there's... Scripture says there's in Ecclesiastes there's a time for doing this, there's a time for doing that, and Lord, this is the... I think this is the time to do what I would like. Then we have to ask ourselves the question, or we might ask ourselves, would we be in a hurry? Can you and I live without being in a hurry? We have, I have statements like, well, I've got to eat and go. Eat and run, the kind of things. We eat and run is what we've got to do. Would we be in a hurry? And would we be hurrying up God? Or would we be saying to God, if we stepped into eternity tomorrow, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And God, what if God said, what do you mean by there? You're here, but what do you mean by there? Where do you want to be? And after a while of eternity... We might even be asking, when will we get to the end? Thank you. End of end of what? These are kind of things. And then if we're stepping into eternity, what would be the first thing that would get our attention? What is the first thing? Well, Lord, um, what, what would we need to tend to first of all? And what would be our first priority? And then, another simple question is, how do we know the beginning from the end? It's kind of like we're stepping into the middle of a movie, and you don't know how it started. You don't know exactly where you are. And how would you understand it if there were no dates? I've been reading a book on, well, actually, I know it as the Stone of Scone. Uh, the Celtic stone, the stone is TL. Some believe it to be Jacob's pillar stone, but there's the, the coronation of the of the king or queen of England happens on this, and it's now back in the sky. I've been reading about that, but they start way, 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 way back in time with the mammoth, mammoths, but and these people and migration, all of that, but they don't give you time. They don't well. This was 4,000 years ago, or 5,000. And you think, well, that's a long time back. We, I took my sisters to the petrified forest, you know, up in um, Geyserville. And here's this tree we're looking at. It's, it's a huge red, redwood that's down. It's all petrified. It's like, what, 16 or 18 feet in diameter or more or whatever, and 100 and plus feet long of just petrified wood. But it says on their age, 3,400,000 years ago, this tree was here. At that time, it was 2,000 years old. Now, that's a long time ago. 
It was almost as old as my sister and I's combined ages put together. But anyway, how do we distinguish the beginning from the end? Now, as a reminder to us, eternal life is about life and life with God. And here's the thing, because when you think about it, I step into eternal life tomorrow. And you think, what do I need to do? And that really isn't the question. That's the wrong question. What do I need to be? And who am I? Because there, there was a, a survey I was listening to with my wife, uh, uh, an individual, talking about fun and defining fun. And fun is a project or something that you're involved in where you lose track of, fill in the blank, you lose track of time. And uh, that's when people are living life and having fun. And, and life is enjoyable. Now, when we think that what Jesus says to us, that he came that we might have life and we might have life more abundantly, then we have to appreciate and Jesus telling us about the triune nature of God, he and the Father are one, there is this uh, consistency, there is this universal oneness that you find in God. So it is, and that his desire is that we would be like they are, his dwelling in us, we in him. Living in such a way that the focus is on embracing the relationship that we have with God. And the oneness promised by Jesus. You living in that kind of oneness and that kind of relationship. It is in that thought that you, one would think that there would not necessarily be a need for patience. I tend to believe, and I'm, I'm just conjecturing on this, in this, is that the three great things that the Apostle Paul enumerated as being the three chief faith, hope, and love, those three things will be consistent in the kingdom of God. And we think about trusting God in all things and have, having faith in God. If, if faith is as we understand it, that, there's, that the Father, our Heavenly Father, has things beyond our ability to comprehend, beyond you know, what eye has seen or ear heard or whatever, and we're having to trust in him, it might take a little patience on our part. So could patience be a part of our eternal life where we're patient with God, patient with one another? I'm just asking that. And could, yes, Jeanette. God is patient. Well, the, I mean, if, if God is patient, and the scripture says that, is, that means there's patience in eternity. Good, good response to that. And what about hope? Yes. So we have, if you have faith, hope, and you have love, and this is and, and this is what God is, and it's not that God's going to change being faithful or God isn't going to change being hope, but if we're the kind of people that are trying to push God, if we don't understand the purpose of God and believe in that, and and we, we might want to push our own agenda. I just wondered, and... Um, 
you know, with, with Lucifer. Did he get impatient with God? Judas got impatient with, with God, with Jesus, and got impatient in the sense of not only maybe time, and what, God, but also what God was doing. He wasn't patient with God creation and, and how. That's, it's, again, I'm just speculating but asking some questions in order that we might come maybe to understand and or appreciate patience point in our own lives today. So what I want to focus on today, and I talk about patience and eternal life, is where we are right now. And I believe that Romans chapter 8 kind of speaks to where we are right now and speaks to how that we might have patience. Now, it's amazing that when we, how, how much patience that we have with someone who is more powerful than us. For example, if this big brute of a person um, with a 45 on his hip cuts you off in traffic and you pull over to the side of the road and he, he uncoils out of his sports car and just keeps uncoiling and uncoiling and uncoiling and then he's about six foot eight He's got guns on his, you know, his arms, and he's got one on his hip. I tend to be a little more patient with this guy. I would tend to be and say, well, you know, I'm not going to call him out on, on all of these things and the like. I just kind of put that there are things that help us to understand patience. So I'm going to start here in Romans chapter 8 and beginning here in verse 14 because I think these are some of the things that help us to have an appreciation for the patience of God. Now when we think about patience, patience is, and I put this in there because I, I'm going to, we, we're going to talk about this a little later about the race that is set before us, is hopeful endurance is what patience is. And we've all experienced that where we're hopeful that our kids will do better. We're hopeful that we're going to get a promotion at job. Or we're hopeful for, you know, there's going to be change. So we endure in this hopeful manner. But beginning in verse 14 of Romans chapter 8. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Let's just start there. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. This, brethren, this statement gives us hope. And it gives also, with that hope, comes an element of patience, the recognition of that while we run this race, and while right now we don't see that in our, necessarily in ourselves, in in, in that kind of manifestation, we do recognize, we do believe that we are being led by the Spirit of God, that God has given us His Spirit, and as a result of that, that's who we are, because that's what Scripture tells us, that if we are led by God, we are His sons. Not yet glorified, but nonetheless sons. It's like a child that isn't born yet, but it is still your child. And then th with this comes the belief, my belief, as Jeanette has already pointed out, 
that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that we talk about in terms of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is patience. This is what God helps us to have, is to have patience. Because in our humanity, we want to rush on to the next thing. It's, we, we are very easily distracted and want to move forward. So when we look at this, as I say, hopeful endurance, and I want to give us this again scriptural reference from Hebrews chapter 12, speaking about the sacrifice that Christ made, but in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, this is in, you know, following the faithful that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, and a result of all of that, the examples that we've had gone, gone before us of people who endured things with a hope in their heart, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Now that's the NIV in the King James Version. Let us run with patience the race that is set out for us. So if the, this, what we might call then our Christian journey, and while all of our journey is the same in bringing us to Christ, the way in which we, the journey goes is not all the same. And I think it's very, very important for us to recognize that. There were 12 disciples, who came 12 apostles. There, the God is, there's an incredible diversity. Christians look and act differently and the like. And it takes an understanding that God has made us as individuals with different personalities to have an appreciation or a patience with one another. In fact, there's many scriptures to talk about, encourage us to help people. I, uh, I, I like this because of my immediate thought is help those who are weak. Now, do I immediately think of myself as weak? No, I was thinking, well, I'm going to help somebody else. But the reality is we all have weaknesses. And we all have to be patient with one another. It is through the Spirit of God recognizing that these individuals, like us, have the Spirit of God help us to be patient with them. It is also very important for us to recognize that God does things in his timely order. He calls people when he wants to call them to bring them to Christ, and we have to have patience with one another in our differences. Um, Cain and Abel had a difference. And there was no patience there. And of course, we see what the result of that is, the killing. So we to run a race, though, means it takes effort. And this also, in this context of Scripture in Romans chapter 8, there is a reward involved in it. Now, when we think about reward, we generally think, think about at the finish line. Once you finish the, the race, there's a reward. I would suggest to you, being led by the Spirit of God, that on a daily basis, if Jesus' outline prayer is true, give us this day our daily bread, that there are rewards as we walk in the direction that God wants us to do, there are rewards and there is a joy in doing what we do. 
as we're led by God's Spirit, there is a peace that comes in that. And again, and we, we act in faith because sometimes we don't know exactly what we're doing. Good, an example, we'll call it good because it, it ended up being good. I did not know. My sister's coming out here. It did not dawn on me that my sister's birthday was coming up. And she's, it was on Friday. And so it just worked perfect to have, because she goes to church and she goes to church on Saturday, to have a Friday night meal. It was just perfect for her and all of that. But I, it, it didn't occur to me until they were already here, and then I got the thinking, wait, I, I say I got the thinking. It's like, oh, God prompted me, wait a minute, one of, one of your sisters has a birthday. Now, who is it? Because I have, one has a birthday in January, and one has a birthday in February, and the like, but I wasn't sure, so I had to ask my other sister who I thought had a birthday in February. If, but anyway, it all worked. And it worked beautifully. And it, you know, For us, it was an incredible blessing. It was an incredible delight for her as well. Ah, that was the other question. We did. <laughs> I mean, there were no candles. But here, here was the fun thing. It's, it's my sister who, whose husband had been disabled because of breaking his back, falling off an 18-wheeler, which we've been praying about. It's also my sister who had to retire early and draw Social Security early uh, because she's taking care of my sister and who has less wherewithal uh, in that regard. And so I was, you know, wanting to kind of share and reward her, for, thank her for taking care of my sister and all that she's done and all of those things. So I'd ask her what her favorite meal was, and, and then I threw out, well, do you like steak? And, uh, oh, yeah. And I asked George a question. No, I did not. Is it free? Anyway. <laughs> and by the way, hopefully you all had a great time last week and all of that. But she did. So I did something. And, and I am blessed in this because it was a lesson to me that God does things for us that we can never do for ourselves. And so I got her, her, her favorite steak was, she told me, was a um, ribeye. Well, are you familiar with a steak that's called tomahawk steak? It's a ribeye on the rib. All right. It's this long, okay, you know, with the rib, and then the ribeye is like that. And so it looks like a tomahawk. So I got a couple little steaks, and I showed her and all that, and she was just thrilled. And then I said, but this is your steak. <laughs> and I pulled out the tomahawk, which is like 54 ounces of ribeye. And I cooked that for her, took it on a platter, you know, put it on. This is, this is the funny part of it. And all that, put it on a platter, you know, because it, it took a platter to get it on there, and served it to her. So we took a picture of her with with the, the you know the the platter of steak, 
And then I had to cut it off, you know, so she could do that. So the next picture we took was her holding up just the bone, nibbling the last part of it. Um, I think we got nearly, considering the steak and eggs that we had for breakfast several mornings, we got about 15 meals out of that one steak. You know. But, but the point is, she would have never done that. God does things for us that we ourselves would never do. And as sons of God, when we come to appreciate that, look, you know, the, the calling that we have, the blessings that we have, um, what we know, how God works in our life. So it is the Holy Spirit that helps us to have patience with one another. And I knew that one of the characteristics my sister would have, oh, anything, whatever, doesn't make any difference, whatever you serve, that's great. That isn't the question that I was asking her. What is it that you like? And then you, you kind of have to worm that out, and then you, you find out what they like. And uh, so it's like us being able to share with God. And God is so patient with us because, you know, God knows what we like, even though we aren't honest with it. He says, I will give you the desire of your heart. He is so patient, and, and the desire of all of our hearts, that God has been so patient with us, is that we might have life and have life eternal. That the desire of our heart, whether we understand it, is to have the relationship that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have, that Jesus wants for us to have as well. So we have a very, very patient God in that regard. So all of our races are a little different. So we, we have to have patience with one another. Verse 15 then goes on to, to, well, did I finish this? Run the race with perseverance marked out for us, each one of us. Now, verse 15 then goes on, and this is the encouragement because what I want us to understand is that where we are right now, it takes patience. This is not easy, but there, there is something in this whole journey of ours that, is, that just helps us to have the patience and to do what we need to do with our lives. For he says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. So when we look here at eternal life that is free and with a loving Father, we, uh, God is so patient with us being so fearful. We, we, all of us, to one degree or another, have certain anxieties and fears either about ourselves or others or situations. And we think about eternal life, that God, you know, the certainty of the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. And, and understanding that we have this freedom. So he has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but rather we could finish that out for what Paul told Timothy, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And then he goes on to say here, as, as we're reading here, for he did not make you a slave to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption, and the total sense of belonging. Faith in the Father is vital to having patience. Because when we do not have faith in the Father, 
then it is very difficult to have patience. And faithlessness is a heavy load and it doesn't lead to life. And we talk about Christians being lost and, and, and for, for guys we talk about, well, I'm not lost and we don't want to admit it, but we're lost and we're afraid we don't know where we're going and the like. And I haven't told you this before, so I'm not telling you anything, and you're tired of hearing it, but have patience with me. When I get lost, I get irritable. I am not patient when I get lost. I am irritable with myself, and I am irritable with whoever is in the vehicle with me. (laughs) And it shows. You see... Because God is faithful and all of that, and we, if we can recognize that, it helps us to have patience. So eternal life is filled with faith. It is filled with faith. We trust God and we have patience with God and we're excited. Um, and that was part of the, the joy of having my sisters. I know sharing that. It was like, Okay, we're going to do some things. I'm not going to tell you exactly what we're going to do. In fact, we went to the French Laundry. Do you know what French Laundry has? French Laundry in Yonkville has been in times past. I don't know what it's ranking now. The number one restaurant in the world. Well, we stood outside and took our pictures. <laughs> That's what we did. But yeah, we've been to the French Laundry. And we've been to petrified forests, and we went to the redwood trees, and we looked at the, you know, the trees, and we went to the coast, and, and, and all of that. And we saw a whale. And we drank a glass of champagne. It was free, George. I know where to go. <laughs> That's okay. Anyhow, you don't know, but it's an adventure. And, it, of course, they had to kind of trust me that I knew where I was going to go and the like, and but it's an adventure. It's patience that God gives to us. Verses 16 and 17 here reminds us as well. Uh, and this speaks to, the, again, the relationship, and it goes on to talk about whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We need that help to be patient as well. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. It is in, when we think about crying, Abba, Father, I want to go back to that. It is about a relationship. It's a very endearing relationship. The Holy Spirit connects us to God. If If we're children, then we're heirs. And that gives us a lot more patience. So let's just take, for example, um, how much more patient would you be tomorrow if you checked on your bank account and it had an additional million dollars in it? Would it make you more patient with the guy who's trying to fix your car and what he's charging you? Would it make you more patient when you think about travel? It's amazing how having something there well we are heirs but we're heirs heirs of what not of something physical but something spiritual we are heirs of God 
And we are called joint heirs with, with Christ. Now, that's the joy of life as well. If you were just doing this all on your own and nobody else, it wouldn't be nearly so much fun. But when we look forward to the kingdom of God, we look forward to eternal life, we recognize that we look forward to seeing people that have gone on before us, loved ones that whom we have lost. Because eternal life is not about being alone. It is about being with God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It is, it is about being with his sons and daughters in a loving relationship. However, Suffering with Jesus requires patience. And he has set that example for us because he reminds us if we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the pain and the part of the problem and the race that we're in. Suffering with Jesus requires that. And our reward, again a reminder to all of us, is not physical. It's glorious. All these things. I was thinking about uh, the world in which we live. And I, actually, Karen and I were talking about just therapy and talking to people and the like. I'm reminded that to me, it, it, it occurred to me that therapy done apart from God is like the man who builds his house upon the sand. You know, but at the same time in the world in which we live, we think, well, I'm building upon a rock. I'm building on a solid foundation. I've, I've dug down. Jim had to do that, you know, get a good solid foundation and building the home that he's building and the like. And we, when we look at say, well, I'm, I'm pretty solid here on this earth. But that's not the rock. This earth is out there in the middle of nowhere. If God done away did away with the earth, where would we be? There is only one solid rock into which all of our ideas, all of our, all the qualities rest upon. That is the true foundation. And Jesus said, he is the rock. He is the foundation which we rest. So these rewards are not physical. They are glorious. They are spiritual rewards. Then he goes, tells us, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the, with the glory that will be revealed in us. The present time. When we see only the physical or the momentary, it robs us of patience. The things that are just here, temporary. Because everything that is physical is temporary. It is vanity. And we're also reminded that in this regard, even when we hope in Christ, and I'll just quote this again from 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are most miserable. When we think about patience, if, if our patience is that Jesus is going to do everything that Jesus promised in this life, we're going to be pretty miserable. We have to have patience with him that it's beyond this life that in which we look forward to. Now, obviously he has blessed us incredibly. Just knowing him, knowing what life is about, knowing his purpose, knowing his plan. Here's also an encouraging thing about being patient. Verse 19, 
where it talks says the creation waits in eager expectations for the sons of God to re- be revealed. The creation is excited and has expectations that you and I helps creation and helps creation endure. And in terms of what God has, that the, the creation that is made is waiting for us. It's kind of like waiting for us to finish the finish line. That is not unlike what is said in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 about those who are faithful. They're not going to be the reward not until we all together receive that reward. And it's at that time and the whole creation is going to rejoice over you. Sons of God, because that's exactly what it is telling you. For creation was subjected to frustration. <laughs> We're not alone in this one. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. Again, this is coming to an understanding and appreciation for what God has, his plan, and his purpose in what he is doing, that we would be patient with God in this life. and we Because we all ask, when God? When will I get that job? When will this relationship get, get better? When will I be healed? When will this happen? When will that happen? Lord, hurry, you know, your kingdom come. And we get frustrated and the like. But it's subjected in hope. And hope changes everything in our life, brethren. It tra- changes it dramatically. So creation is waiting. It is hard to be patient. And this is another element. It is hard to be patient when there is no hope. Give an example that if if you have no hope for the future and the like, and people, end of life situations where they have no hope, there are people who want to end it because there is no hope. but living in the promises of God gives us hope. And that's what I was talking about last week. Living on promises. Our life is based on promises that give us incredible hope. Not just for this moment, but for the future as well. And hope that, you know, that in terms of a powerful relationship. Because hope changes our lives. Hope empowers us to do things. Hope helps us to act upon our hope. Because then, then we can do something because we have a hope. And then hope helps us to endure. I've given you that example. If I drop you out in the middle of the ocean with weights on your feet, with no hope whatsoever, you would, first of all, be impatient. You'd want somebody to rescue you immediately. And then, but you, your giving up factor would be real soon because there is no hope. Why am I fighting so hard if there is no hope? But if I told you that if you just stay afloat for three minutes, instantly you'd be saved, you would fight for that. Brethren, there is hope. Be patient with God. He will be there at just the right time in all of our lives. And we put our trust in. And then here's the beautiful thing of verse 31 that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. 
Brethren, when we treat each other with patience, when we're patient with God, knowing that God knows what he's doing, you know, that the glorious liberty of the children of God, eternal life is being delivered into the glorious liberty and love of God. And God is going to deliver all things to us. And we're delivered into his kingdom. So, verses 22 and 23 then speaks to the fact that the world in which we live. And here is the reality of the world. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves. Yes, brethren, it it would be totally inappropriate to say that we don't have pains and problems and difficulties and aches and the like. And this is one of the things of old age my wife and I are laughing about. We make moves now with sounds. Before, we move quietly, stealthily and the like. But now we make a move, we get up off the sofa, oh, we, we, we do this, ah, we grunt, we groan, all of those things. We are fulfilling the scripture here. The whole, our whole creation groans, aches and pains and the like. That's who we are. But it goes on to tell us here for the present time. But not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. Here's the thing. We wait eagerly. But we wait. But there's an eagerness about that for the adoption of sons and the redemption of our bodies. Now, the King James puts it this way. In this hope, we patiently wait for it. There are so many lessons learned in this life that I believe are going to help us to just embrace and to glow and to enjoy and to delight in eternal life. That the, the moment that we step into eternal life with our Lord and Savior, it's like, I don't need time. I don't need anything. I have it all. I have all the faith, all the hope, and all the love. I have everything. And in that moment, in a certain way, time stands still. And by definition, we start having fun. Living life. And Jesus might say to you, and I promised you that you would have life abundantly and be glorified. Let us rejoice in the patience of God and look forward to eternal life. Let's conclude in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so very much for your patience, your love, your kindness, your purpose, all the things, Father, your scriptures, because without them, Father, we'd be struggling to know and to understand. You are a faithful, loving, kind God. Thank you for it all. Thank you for your Son and our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and in his name we do pray. Amen. The world today is a challenging environment for Christian believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Looking for answers? Grace Communion International Local Churches in Fairfield, Santa Rosa, and Modesto offers a comforting environment for Christians in search of spiritual growth and development. Contact a local ministry. Attend their local GCI churches at the times listed on your screen.